Hello, everyone, and welcome to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. Today, we are here on this beautiful day afternoon, recording an episode for our lovely followers and listeners. It's NFL Draft Week. A lot of stuff going on here for our NIU to the NFL Connection players. But we have a very special episode, an episode that we've been looking to get to you here, um, you know, for the last few months. Not going to delay it any further. Let's get Ethan on the episode, and let's go ahead and introduce our guest. Ethan, how are you doing today, brother? I'm excited. You said we won't delay it anymore. Uh, I'll let you introduce our, uh, our guest here. Absolutely. So, yeah, this is the guest. This is the big guest. This is the man in charge, the guy who finished at NIU with 2,432 rushing yards all time. This man has finished his playing career. He has moved to coaching. He has came back to the Cal, and he has become the first head coach in the FBS era for the NIU Huskies to become a head coach after playing at NIU. Huskies on tap, I am pleased to present to you NIU head football coach, Thomas Hammett. How are you doing today, coach? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you joining us here on the episode. So first and foremost, it's the weirdest time in sports. It's an unprecedented time, something we never thought that we would have to deal with. How have things been as the head football coach during this, uh, I guess you would say, dead period in the NCAA? You know, it's actually been, you know, surprisingly uh, calm uh, and normal. Um, I think as a staff, uh, we put a great plan together. Um, The great thing about what happened is, you know, we had spring break, uh, and then the following week, uh, you know, word started to leak that, hey, things may be shut down. So we had a good, solid week um, that we was able to upload all the video, um, kind of have a, a game plan of how we want to, you know, talk to our players, uh, install for our players, uh, and really put a plan together for six weeks, uh, figuring that, you know, that that would get us to the end of the semester um, to make sure that we can continue to touch the, the players, uh, continue to stay connected as a staff, uh, and kind of continue to build uh, upon our off season, uh, which we had a great start to uh, when we, you know, we don't miss a beat. So with all the uh, changes going on, you talked about adding the video. How do you think the uh, the team has adapted to the changes with this COVID nineteen? You know, I think uh, you know one thing that we we are we continue to stress to our team is that the seniors and the leaders of the team take take a hold and uh, make sure they set the example. Uh, of, of what we want it to look like, uh, sitting up in a meeting, uh, having a shirt on, having a notebook, having a pen, uh, and they've done a great job of doing that and being attentive uh, in the meetings with the coaches. And I think the great thing for me is, um, which I haven't had a chance to do, because, you know, normally uh, during spring ball or in the season, all of our meeting times are at the same time, uh, but because of class schedules uh, and different life events, guys in, on the East Coast, guys on the West Coast, uh, and just kind of how we had to map out the meeting times, I've been able to be uh, involved in every position coach coaches meeting uh, and, and kind of look and observe and uh, see how coaches are teaching, uh, see how players are retaining information. Uh, you know, we put a lot of tests and quizzes um, to make sure we're getting the type of feedback that we need from the players to make sure, number one, they understand the material, uh, they can decipher the material, uh, and then go out there and, and regurgitate it back to us in a way that uh, is going to help us uh, as we move forward as a football team. And with the off-season process as well, we saw our own Brandon out there flipping tires. It seems like a lot of the guys are having a lot of fun with their workouts as well this offseason. How big was that for you telling these guys once they went back to their respective homes, you know, have fun with your workouts but keep working out? Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. I mean, we started a, an offseason program of competition and, um, you know, we wanted to, you know, find a creative way to continue that competition. So, um, you know, Coach Knapp and his staff came up with different 
uh, workouts and routines that guys can do and, uh, and said, you know, if you, if you post it, then we, you know, we have an opportunity to, to continue to see and, uh, see what you're doing and your teammates can see it, uh, and motivate them. So it's a constant, uh, motivation to get guys to, uh, find a routine, uh, find things that's going to keep them in the right, uh, mental headspace, uh, which is important during this time when you're in the house and, uh, things are drastically different from what you're used to. Uh, and I think working out is a part of, uh, keeping, uh, good mental health. Yeah. And you talk about good mental health. Uh, we have Ross Bowers on the podcast and he spoke of a story last season where he came to you or you actually came to him before a game and, and you're like look I don't want you to go out there and play I don't think you know I think it was after the Toledo game I don't know exactly what game it was I'd have to search the soundbite but one thing that we've heard from all of the players that we've talked to and everyone involved with the uh, program is that you're a huge proponent on the players mental health and their physical health I think that's a you know that's a very admirable thing for a head coach to be not only on on the prowl making sure that all his players are healthy and, and able to you know dot all their T's and, and cross all, and cross all their I's before they go into a game, but you do care about that mental health. Those workouts that we see online, those are key to, you know, keeping a routine. And with this quarantine, people aren't working, people aren't going to school. People are staying home all sorts of hours of the day, and it's kind of, you know, as a football player, you are a creature of habit. Whether you're a player or a coach, you are set to a routine, and with that routine, you know, you see results. And once you go or stray off that, it's it's hard to, to stay focused. But I think with that exercise that you guys have going on, the creativity, I've I've seen tire flips. I've seen bicep curls with random things around the house. I've seen people chopping down trees, doing the tire smashes. It's been pretty cool to see with the creativity and the adaptability that your athletes have here, Coach. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a big thing. And I think, uh, you know, when you talk about mental health, it's, it's one of those things that you learn uh, through experience. Um, you know, when I played, uh, mental health was rarely talked about. And, and that wasn't that long ago. But having had a couple players that have been through uh, mental health issues that I've had a chance to be around, you realize how big of a deal it is. And, and you realize how important it is to try to, you know, continue to talk and, and mentor and monitor uh, how young men are doing so that, that they can be the most productive people, first and foremost, um, that, 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 that they can be before they become players. You hit the nail on the head, too, because I, I saw this semester, too. I think it was the team had around a 3.3 GPA. We graduated a lot of players. That's the one thing that a lot of people lose. You know, that goes by the wayside when it comes to college athletics. People just think of the money and them playing sports. These are students and athletes at the same time, and and we talk about it all the time with the crazy matching schedule. And you know, we have football, we have classes with a lot of the football players. We don't see a lot of those seats empty. Rarely have to be out. And with the crazy schedule that you guys have to make sure that you you know you're keeping your players accountable, whether it's on the field or off the field in the community, it's great to see. And one thing that I know Ethan's talked about a lot about too is uh, just you know some of your quotes and some of the stuff that you say on Twitter can really light the fire even undermining his ass. So I, I really do appreciate uh, some of the stuff that you say. I mean, even even not being a player on the team, it definitely can get you going. But getting into the NIU, so we'll we'll go playing career first. So, what made you initially choose NIU as the school you want to play college football at? Well, um, to be honest, I, I I believe in Coach Novak's vision for the program. Uh, you know, when I got recruited, they were in the midst of a losing streak, uh, and he. He talked to the, the class that I came in with about, hey, building this thing together uh, with a group of men that's going to do things the hard way, do things the right way. And I believed in that. My parents believed in that. I, I always believed in, you know, no shortcuts. Uh, and, and if you want something great, you have to work for it. And that's what the message that Coach uh, Novak and his staff preached. Uh, my parents loved him, uh, loved the fact that he was going to be tough on us, uh, loved the discipline aspect of the program. And when I came here, I just wanted an opportunity to compete. 
I wasn't looking for anything that was uh, guaranteed to me. I was just looking for uh, a situation where I could be, you know, I could help make a difference. And uh, Coach Novak and NIU provided that. Obviously, you came back to DeKalb uh, as, a, as a coach. What was one thing that stood out to you the most that changed since your playing career here to your coaching career here? What is one thing that's changed? Obviously, the facilities are a big thing that's changed. Um, you, you recognize uh, how much having great facilities uh, means to a program. It, it helps you be able to take the next step uh, in your development as a program. I remember times that we had winter conditions. We ran in the ramp uh, of the stadium or we ran outside on the snow. Uh, we didn't have the ability uh, to go into an indoor facility and get the work that we needed done. We just had to find ways to figure out okay, how can we get something done today? Uh, we used to use the rec center to do morning workouts. Well, a lot of guys had shin splints. A lot of guys rolled their ankles. A lot of guys, you know, tore the ACL because it wasn't the right type of surface uh, to be working out on. So to have the ability to, to go downstairs and leave the locker room and go into an indoor facility when the weather gets cold or, or, or when it's raining or snowing and things like that, I think those facilities uh, enhances the program. And I, I think that's why you've been able to see um, NIU make the type of jump uh, and get the type of players um, that made this program what it is today. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about the players. Uh, with the NFL draft coming up this week, um, you know, we saw a couple of the guys out there at the NIU Pro Day making some noise. But, you know, this, this draft class won't be, you know, necessarily as um, tied to you because you came in, you know, those are kind of Coach Carey's recruits. But as someone who's worked with NFL players in the past, can you, you know, enlighten some of the listeners and some of the players you've worked at or worked with at other schools that are now or has made noise in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, you can start back from, you know, my time at NIU first. Jared Wolf, you know, the senior year, he led the country in rushing with the fourth-round draft pick uh, from the Bears. Um, at Minnesota, we had Eric Decker. He was a wide receiver for us that, that was really uh, a dynamic player. Um, at Wisconsin, obviously, the backs that we had, I had Monty Ball, I had James White, I had Melvin Gordon, I had Corey Clement. I also had two fullbacks that got drafted in Brady Ewing, and uh, Derek Watt. So, you know, just being around guys and uh, as well as the numerous other guys at, at other positions that got drafted, um, you know, just being around guys, it takes a certain type of uh, mentality. Uh, it, it takes a certain type of work ethic. It takes a certain type of commitment uh, to get to that level. And, and that's the hard thing that you that you try to stress to people. You know, when you talk to young men in high school, uh, their dreams, their aspirations is to go to the National Football League. Uh, but the reality is only a small percentage of guys uh, continue on that track. And so you have to take advantage of the things that um, got you to this point. Like, you know, getting your degree, okay? Football has been a great game for a lot of people. Uh, and although you may not become a professional athlete, you still can – have a great professional career after football. Uh, and I think the things that you learn in football helps you in life. Uh, time commitment, teamwork, um, work ethic, you know, dealing with adversity. Uh, and so you have to be able to take from the game the things and the lessons that you learn uh, that's going to help you with the next 40 to 50 years of your life. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one perfectly because, like you said, the things such as time management, organization, teamwork, all these other things in these you know, these smaller things that you can learn from football and take and apply to your, you know, 
your regular everyday life, whether, you know, you're selling cars or, or you're working as, you know, a stockbroker, whatever it is you may end up doing after football, stuff that you learn in football still holds value um, to you after that. Uh, with that being said, I got to ask you, since you've coached both in the NFL and in the college ranks, um, what are some of the, like, striking differences that you would say um, from your standpoint as a coach are? Well, I think, you know, the NFL um, as a coach is more of a, a partnership. Um, you're dealing with grown men, uh, with, with grown men responsibilities. Uh, these guys got wives, they have children, they have uh, other things outside of football that, 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 that they're heavily involved with. I remember my first year in the NFL, I, I, I yelled at a player and he came up to me, he said, he said, he said, coach, I got a wife. I got two kids. You really think I want to mess this up? And then that makes you realize and see things from a totally different perspective. Uh, and I think that growth uh, in the NFL allowed me to be able to come back to college and have a better understanding of, of young people, uh, their, their struggles, things they go go through. Uh, when I was a young coach, there was a lot of things that I didn't understand because a lot of times you get into coaching, you normally coach the way you've been coached. Uh, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Uh, I just think there are other things that you, you are able to see along the way that makes you realize, okay, there's a bunch of different ways or a bunch of different angles uh, to get the best out of players. And, and we got to find uh, the specific way to get each player to play to the best of their abilities. Yeah, and I, we talked on the social media aspect of things. You you tweet a lot about how personal you are with recruits, and I think it just kind of goes along what we just talked about. Is that something that you learned over time, or is that something that you said when you became a coach you wanted to, to be close with those recruits and, and you know get close to their families, things like that? Well, I, I just remember being an assistant uh, at a couple different places and, and, and going over the recruiting board and, and sitting there and thinking, you know, my head coach don't even know half the guys on the board. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, as the head coach, as the guy that's totally, totally responsible for everything that goes on in your program, it is critical to know every guy that you're bringing in. Uh, it's not up to the position coach to, to say, hey, this is a guy we need. Because what you realize is, you know, uh, assistant coaches, they're going to come and go. I mean, they're going to get opportunities uh, to do better for their families, to do better for, you know, whatever they want to do. And they have goals. They want to be coordinators. They want to be head coaches. Uh, and so they're going to, you know, move and shape uh, along the way. And if you allow somebody to have control and, and make decisions without your, you know, being aware, that becomes a problem. And that's something that I learned from Coach Novak. I remember being a young coach and, and wanting to make a name uh, in this profession as a recruiter and uh, and be great at my job. And I thought it was a, a bunch of guys um, that we could have offered that we didn't. And he said, Thomas, you know, you may come and go, but I'm still going to be here. And I guess the message that I learned from him was I want to know uh, everything about the young men that come in our program. And, and Coach Novak knew everything about the men that came in this program. There was not one player that came in the program that he didn't know their family, the kids, uh, significant people in that kid's life, the coach, uh, you know, every detail about the young man. I think that helps you um, be able to run your program. So uh, when the kid walks in the program, let's say he's a tight end, uh, he's got a great relationship with his recruiting coach, and his recruiting coach decides to uh, go to Michigan to be the tight end's coach, then he has to have a relationship with me. His family has to feel comfortable that they can talk to me. And so we have a process of recruiting where, okay, the area coach gets the name, then he talks to the position coach, then he talks to the coordinator, and then they spend the majority of the time talking to me. So I get real in-depth getting to know the young men that, that we're recruiting, getting to know their families, uh, and then I have to make the decision of, 
does this guy fit what we're looking to do? Um, because we want to be very strategic with what we want. Uh, we want great student athletes. Uh, we want kids that we're not going to worry about any off the field issues. Um, because the coach once told me, you recruit your problem. Uh, and I take, I take that to heart. And so, um, I feel excited about the class that we was able to sign in the 2020 class. I feel excited about the guys that we got committed in the 2021 class. Uh, and we have a great process and we're going to continue to stick with our process. Uh, throughout this recruiting. When you talk about that class of 2020 class, I, I don't know if you recall it, but a uh, young, hungry journalist myself was in that press conference, and, and one of the questions that I asked you before before I left, kind of a little bit of a sarcasm, but more serious, was when does that recruiting trip start? And it didn't end. I mean, you're, you, know, you were one of the busiest recruiters. I follow a lot of college head football coaches um, throughout the off well, just throughout the whole year, but throughout the offseason heavily to see What's going on with the crew? So take us to some of the places, like some of the different states that you went through uh, throughout this year's recruiting trip. Well, I think, you know, uh, what happened is, you know, us, our philosophy starts at home. So it starts in the state of Illinois. Uh, and then we'll work uh, between the five and six hour radius outside of our state or outside of campus. Uh, so, you know, we knew uh, the state of Illinois was not great last last year. We, we thought it would be great in 2021. Um, so, you know, we knew we, we had to be selective uh, in state. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin uh, was good for us. Uh, you know, we was able to get a lot of kids on campus, uh, a bunch of good offensive linemen. Uh, we've actually been able to extend a little west and get into Iowa, uh, get into Nebraska, um, because the great thing about, you know, NIU uh, in our conference, we are the furthest school west. Uh, so to get to any other school in our conference, you have to pass through us. And so um, with my staff and the contacts that we've been able to make in some of those areas, you know, we got some, some really, really good players. I mean, Jervion Ducker is a, is a prime example of a kid that was – the Gatorade Player of the Year in Nebraska. Uh, we had him on campus since January, and he came in and he worked, uh, and he's exactly who we thought he was. So uh, my recruiting um, travels have taken me through the Midwest, into Indiana, um, into Michigan, uh, into St. Louis, uh, and then we recruit Georgia, you know, uh, pretty much the southern part of Georgia, uh, South Florida, and then New Jersey. Are, are really the, the hotbeds for us as far as recruiting is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And you do talk about, you know, Mr. Ducker. That's someone that I, I actually saw that he did get that Gatorade Player of the Year. And just being able to recruit like that at a group of five school is, is hats off to you for that. But, I mean, the success that this school has been able to see, um, you know, whether it was when you were here playing, here coaching in your last stint, or the success that we're going to see here in the future, I'm very excited to see you building the program the way that you envisioned it from the ground up and doing it the right way, doing it the hard way, the way that NIU, you know, embodies. And I think that's something very admirable. And I think, too, it, it makes it that much more special to have our head coach be someone who's been through it as an athlete, especially here. So I think I think in the coming seasons, I mean, this year it was – it was a little bit of a down year, five and seven, but I think you guys still had a lot of great performances, especially down the stretch. And we talked about it on this very podcast. You still had a chance to win the max down the stretch. So moving forward, what are some goals that you have set for the 2020 season? Well, I think, you know, a word that keeps um, popping in my head, something I'm going to think about and continue to ponder is reloaded. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, last year, first year, uh, first-time head coach, you, you learn things. Um, but I really like the team that we got coming back. I really like the leadership of our senior class. I think sometimes when you have success, you take things for granted, um, and you don't work 
the way that you need to work in every situation. And I think that our senior class this year saw some of the flaws of the senior class last year, uh, and they work to make sure we can correct those flaws, along with the fact that we brought in a class, uh, a big incoming class of not only scholarship players, uh, but walk-on players that we, we think have the potential um, to earn scholarships, you know, sometimes during their career at NIU. So, uh, I just think that we are in a great situation that we've got experienced players, um, but we have a, a young uh, infusion of, of freshmen uh, and transfers that can come in and compete uh, and increase the depth and talent of our program um, that gives us a chance to be more consistent week to week because we got play, we got guys that can make explosive plays and game-changing plays on offense and defense and special teams. How excited are you? Obviously, you look ahead in the, the, the schedule. You get Iowa, Michigan, Notre Dame in the next couple of years, but the biggest kind of story of the of the off season was the Husky Classic in Chicago. How do you feel about that? Will there be more in the future? Uh, give us your take on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly we're excited to play uh, big-time opponents, you know, wherever we need to play them. Um, and I think that's uh, something that, you know, as, as a Husky and as a Husky alum, it's exciting. You got uh, teams that come uh, to your neck of the woods to play to play games. It's, it's something that you know, number one, avoids going on the road and having to play, but just the level of competition um, that our young men in the program get a chance to experience uh, is something that we use in recruiting as well. Um, you know, we we played Georgia Tech in 2021, so we got some kids um, that we were able to sign from Georgia that their families are going to have an opportunity uh, to watch them play against a Power 5 opponent, and as well as guys that were recruiting in the 2021 class. So uh, for us, I think, you know, playing the type of schedule we play, the type of uh, main recognition program that we play uh, is exciting for our players and get them juiced up to play. Oh, yeah, no, I might have cut out. Okay, so here I restart it. So, you you know, you brought up the, the Power Five, and, and NIU, you know, for some of our listeners that may not know, is a group of five schools, so it's one of the smaller schools in the college football breakdown, but as a head coach at a group of five school, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Say you have a player that would be maybe a fringe, you know, player on a roster at a Power 5 school, but someone that you know that you can find a use for and someone that can come in and start and contribute at NIU. How would you go about recruiting that player to get him to commit to NIU? Good. Good question. I think, you know, one thing uh, in our recruiting philosophy, uh, you know, we talk about level up playing. Uh, so what that means is we want to recruit guys that are like fringe uh, Power 5 type players uh, and maybe they're just missing one or two attributes. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we recruited three deep ends this year that were all 6'3-plus uh, in height. Um, that was all in about the 210 to 215 range. Uh, and so for us, how we look at it is we have to be a developmental program. We have to be able to identify some traits that we can't coach. We can't we can't coach uh, length. We can't coach athleticism. You either have it or you don't, okay? We can coach we can help you develop your skills, but I can't make you taller. I can't make you, you know, we can make you faster to a certain point. Um, so what we decided is, you know, we want to become a bigger, longer, more athletic football team. So in order to do that, we have to, we, we maybe have to take a, a chance on a guy that we feel is a projection that a year in the program, people are going to, going to wonder, how did NIU get that kid? Okay, and so I'll give you an example. Racine Thomas was a kid that uh, that we identified on tape that we, we said we, we love the way this kid plays, okay? After his junior year, he was 6'5", probably 198 pounds. So we said that's a long way to go. So then we, we got him to camp going into his senior season. He was 6'5", 
I think he was 212 at our camp. So we, we just encouraged him, hey, listen, it, it, it's got to be incremental steps. Try to play at 218 this season. Try to play at 220. Played his senior season at 220 pounds. Graduated early. Came in our program. He was 222 pounds um, in January. When he left um, during, uh, during this break uh, because of the pandemic, he left our program at 242 pounds. So this is a kid that's 6'5", 242 pounds that, that walked in our program. Now, if he was re- being recruited this year, he probably would have multiple Power 5 offers uh, right now. But because we saw the potential in him as a player and we wasn't afraid to project and we wasn't afraid to try to develop him, uh, it's going to actually pay big dividends for him in our program uh, and the type of player that he's going to become. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that. that really shows the NIU pro, uh, program and the, the workout program, the things that you do. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, the strength and nutritioning program over there, Coach Knapp's doing a great job. That guy can probably outbench just about anybody in the gym. But I would say, I mean, just a situation like that, and, and then you talk about recruiting, getting to know a player, getting to know his family. As an 18-year-old kid, I mean, we've, we've had a handful of guests on, on our NIU podcast and, and our Notre Dame podcast as well. And you play college football as well. You know how recruiting goes, and not at NIU, but I'm speaking of, like, the general stigma around recruiting. It's like they sell you a bag of goods, and then when you get to campus, it's, it's nothing that was sold to you. But at NIU, that's not the case. You handle and you know, I thought, I can only imagine the mailman's routine when he when he comes through the neighborhood every day to get to your mailbox, and it's just handwritten recruit letters all the time. That's got to be quite some, a sight to see for him, but it, it, it's great to see um, the ability that you have not only to level with the player but with the family, and then once you get them to the program, we've seen, you know, we've only been on campus living here for a year, but we came to all the games last year. You know, you're out there with your family, your kids are running around. You seem like a great guy and, and someone that we're very proud to have as the head coach of our football program. But I want to ask you, take us through the day that you found out you were being hired as the head coach here. Well, it was, uh, it was, it was a blur. Um, I remember uh, we, we had just lost the game to uh, um, it was the San Diego Chargers at the time, uh, now the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, we had lost a game, a playoff game. We beat them uh, probably two weeks before that at their home, and, and we, you know, we had a home game against them in the playoffs. And um, I, I heard some rumblings that you know Coach Perry may have an opportunity to to go to Temple. I didn't think much of it. Um, you know, I've never. Uh, tried to actively go out and get jobs. Uh, uh, that's just not my MO. I, I've always tried to uh, be great where I was. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'm not a big uh, agent guy, guy that has an agent that's working the phones and doing all that. I just wanted to make sure wherever I was, I, I wanted to try to be the best at where I was and do the best at, you know, make my players the best that they can be. And I, and, and, and truly, um, that's been my only focus throughout my career. I, I've seen a lot of coaches just try to find the next job or find the next opportunity. Um, that's just never been me. Uh, I enjoy uh, coaching, enjoy uh, working uh, with young people, uh, helping people, you know, reach their full potential has always been a, a joy of mine. And so when I got the job, uh, it was an interview process throughout the day. Uh, I want to say it was about all day, and I, I met with a bunch of different people um, that was affiliated with NIU, uh, the pre- President Freeman being one, and uh, a host of other people. And so it was exhausting. And um, you go through that process, and it was really – you know, my first time going through the process. Um, but, I, I, you know, one thing I believe in is being uh, upfront, honest, and direct. Uh, so I don't have to 
try to retrace and think about what I said. I, I just be me. And, um, you know, I think they were uh, impressed with that. Um, then they went into like a little deliberation. Uh, so I went back up to my hotel room for a couple hours as they talked. And uh, when they made the decision, it was really just a, a surreal moment. Uh, number one, it was something that I kind of always uh, talked about and wanted to do. Um, but, you know, when you go to the NFL, all those things, you know, become in the, in the backbone. You, you're thinking about uh, a whole, I, was, I wasn't in college football anymore. So I was kind of a little bit removed from it. But NIU has always been a special place to me, always been a place that I've always wanted to come, you know, try to come back at some point in time. Uh, and the way it worked out was just, uh, it was meant to be. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about the future of our program. Uh, we are truly building something special. And, and when you look at it, and it's something that I talked to our players about last year during the season, you know, when Coach Novak was here, it, it was a high in 2003. And then there was a low in 2007. You know, what happened in that time? Well, a lot of the guys that got recruited to the program were, were came in around 2003, 2004 and thought winning was easy. You know, so you come in and this is what we're supposed to do. And so when they had to dip, it was normal. It was that class that came in that the dip started. Coach Kill comes in and he builds it back up, right? He, he gets, he gets players and he, he gets players that he identified that can help win championships and he, he really built it back up. Okay, and so what we talked about was, you know, 2011, 12, 13, 14 were great years, and then you get to 2019, right? Most of the guys that were seniors last year came in when it was high, so they they didn't have to go through the experience of, of all the hard work and the labor to, to get it to that point. They had came at, at a high point, and what I tried to explain to them was, yeah, you came in when it was high. You forgot what it was like to get there, and so what I explained to our young guys is, buy the dip, because you guys are going through a hard things right now, but it's going to be great moving forward because you understand how important it is that every detail, every step along the way is going to determine how great we, we become. And so by having the, the type of academic semester we had last semester is a step. That's one less thing we have to worry about. That's one less distraction we have to worry about. Under, guys understand. I need to go to class if I want to play. I need to get my degree. That's, that's going to help me long term. And so these guys have put the work and they've grinded. And now the, the incoming guys or the incoming freshmen and transfers, they're going to see how our, our juniors work. They're going to see how our seniors work. And then it becomes a process of this is what it takes to be, to be champions. Uh, and so we, we went through a process of changing the culture uh, and reestablishing some things that we, we felt are important to, to get to the MAC championship, to win a MAC championship, uh, and really trying to reinstill what the hard way mentality is all about. Um, I talked to our players about what is the hard way. Not one guy can give me an answer. Uh, so as a staff uh, and as a senior class, we started implementing uh, this is the hard way. These are the things that the hard way was built upon, and, and these are the things that we need to reestablish uh, to make this program exactly what it needs to be. You actually knocked out. I had and that was a two-piece question. I was going to ask you after that, uh, were you looking for any other job at the time? So you knocked that one out of the park. And I think that that's almost the best part about it is, you know, you had wanted to be the NIU coach, but you are a head coach is through and through. You know, football coaches are, I call them creatures of habit. They're the most busy people as far as jobs go in, in the world almost. You're, you're working around the clock. Your job doesn't have 365 days a year pandemic or not but I want to ask you too though so you said you had mentioned uh you with up with the Ravens did you get a chance to coach uh with Lamar Jackson up there yes uh his, his rookie season um so um is interesting I mean I think 
you know, obviously he, he had a great season, an MVP type season uh, this year. But in in 2000, what would it be, 2018, you know, we were faced with an interesting dilemma. We were four and five. Joe Flacco had just got hurt. Um, he was going to be out a couple of weeks. We played Lamar Jackson. We we kind of really altered the whole offense to fit around him. And so when, when Joe Flacco was able to come back and, and be healthy, um, you know, as a staff, we, we sat there and had a lot of debates and discussions about, you know, what is the right course of action. And so uh, for us, you know, we decided to um, stay stick with Lamar. Uh, we wound up going six and one down the stretch uh, and playing great uh, football, which set up the foundation uh, for what he was able to do this year, which was you know not only become an MVP candidate, but had the best uh, rushing uh, offense uh, in the history of of, of NFL football. Um, but a lot of those seeds were started to be developed that second half of the 2018 season. Um, but we knew he was going to be a great player. He's a great teammate, very humble, hardworking. You know, I just knew the kid was going to be phenomenal. You talk about dealing with two quarterbacks, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson. You kind of had that same situation this year with Marcus Childers and Ross Bowers. How did that um, situation with the Ravens kind of affect the way you dealt with your quarterback situation this season? Well, I think the first thing you realize is, is, is college and, and pro are, are two totally different games, right? So the first oh, part absolutely, of, absolutely. Uh, you know, when we were uh, incorporating Lamar Jackson uh, early in the season um, of 2018, it was kind of a, it became a gimmick offense. You know, we had two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. So it's really not, you, you didn't give him the reins of, of being uh, the quarterback per se. And so what you realize is, um, you know, if you're going to use two quarterbacks, you have to make sure you utilize their strength, um, use what they do well. And I think that's what we try to stress. Uh, you know, I think Ross Bowers is, is an excellent passer, uh, and, but he's not a runner. So if you're going to use an alternate quarterback, um, he has to be excel uh, with the ability to, you know, to utilize his legs in a, in a dual threat capacity. Yeah, and I think you broke it down perfectly. I, I will say this for the for the people that did get the Bowers episode. He's not a runner, but he is a flipper. <laughs> no, he's an excellent passer, and we got to do a great job protecting him in the pocket. And you know, obviously the Toledo game was an unfortunate situation, um, and 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 we did have that discussion that you guys talked about early in the call, and I, I explained to him that you know I'm here for your betterment as a person long term, not to try to just use you and. Um, to play a game, and I think he respected that. And, uh, you know, it, it really uh, increased our relationship. You know, me, he, he thought I was calling him up here to say, hey, you know, you need to leave. Um, but really, I was saying, you know, I would love to have you back in our program. Uh, you know, you have the ability to have a sixth year. Uh, I think, I think, you know, the first year he learned, he got here quickly in the summer and tried to learn the offense and won the job. But, you know, two years in, a, in, in the same system is going to allow him to flourish uh, as a quarterback, and, and, and I really wanted him back, and I really wanted to know that we have his best interest at heart as a staff and not looking the short, the short term, but looking the long term of getting him healthy uh, from the from the incident to help him during the Toledo game. Yeah, absolutely. That was an unfortunate situation, a little bit of a late hit action. But with, with having Bowers come back, that's also got to help you out, too. That knocks off one of your worries where you don't have to worry about, well, who's going to play quarterback for my team this year? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the continuity um, – 
you know, we've been able, I've been on all the quarterback meetings, uh, and to see him take charge uh, and teach the young guys, uh, you know, we actually added a, a transfer and Andrew uh, had it. Um, and then we got it, we had an incoming freshman, uh, Dustin Fletcher, who came to us in January, who was a very highly talented quarterback, but to see Bowers take control uh, and, and, and really become an extension of Coach Eisner's uh, is something that gets you excited because even though we, we didn't have the physical reps in the spring of finishing spring practice, we are getting the mental preparation to, to make sure that we stay prepared uh, as a football team and as an offense that we can continue to grow uh, in the areas that we were deficient in last year. Yeah, and with that being said, what do you think some of the biggest, I wouldn't say trends, or, but what do you think the biggest obstacle is going to be for other schools um, around the nation with this time? Because it's one of those things where what you do in the dark comes to light. It, you're really going to see how hard individual players and programs push their players to make sure they're ready for the season, um, you know, if it does start on time. Yeah, I think, you know, for us, I think the great thing is, you know, it's going to be hard for new staffs. It's going to be hard uh, for staff to have a lot of coaching turnover. Uh, and the one thing that I've, I've tried to express uh, to my staff is this time has really leveled the playing field. So any uh, perceived advantages of certain teams based on uh, experience, talent, or whatever the case may be, we're all going to start from the same level. So if, if I, I explained to my strength coach, if you're the best strength coach in the country, whenever things go back to normal, if our team becomes the most conditioned team, it's because you did a great job. If we if we have the best running backs, it's because the running backs supposed to did a, a great job of handling uh, the, the situation being able to deal with adjustments and adversity, uh, and we talk about it, uh, adjustment and adapting all the time. Well, what better time than right now? If, if our players come back and they know everything that we need to, them to know schematically, offense, defense, and special teams, then it's up to us to make sure that we can get them in the proper shape to go out and execute at a high level. And I think that's important um, because everybody is dealing with the same thing. So any advantages from teams from the previous year or any uh, momentum from the, uh, the previous year really is, uh, is is non-existent. So teams, we didn't go to a bowl game, teams that went to a bowl game, well, everybody's going to be deconditioned when we come back. So what a great opportunity we have to really make a jump with our football team uh, and show the type of development and improvement that we can make over last year to this year with what we're doing now. And I think I, it gets me excited. It gets me excited uh, with the work that our staff has put in, uh, with the preparation that our staff has, has put in. And uh, I think our players are really taking uh, heed to that. And they've been working extremely hard, number one, in the classroom, uh, but num number two, football-wise, to make sure they can continue that improvement. Now, with that with that excitement, I gotta ask you: Can you name a couple of guys on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball that maybe not all of Husky Nation is familiar with that they'll be familiar with after next season? Okay, I got my uh, my sheet right in front of me, so let me take a look. Uh, Marcus Cox, offensively, is a guy that was a redshirt freshman, offensive lineman, left tackle. Uh, really, you know, played uh, inconsistent football at the beginning, uh, started to stabilize himself. Um, but I think he's a guy that's going to make a jump uh, offensively for us uh, and, and really be a, a, a guy that can be an anchor on off the line for a lot of years to come uh, in the future. Um, at the running back position, I think we got three guys that, that really had was having great off seasons. Uh, Aaron Collins is one. Uh, he came in. He's probably six foot, uh, 
210 pound uh, running back that has college experience. He was at a junior college and, and came to us. Wondarius Gregory and, and Jevion Ducker are, are two other guys that uh, all offseason, um, you can see how fluid, um, how easy uh, they, they were able to move the vision, uh, the cutting ability. Uh, the one thing that we did in our program was we took more time to work uh, football specific uh, drills and movements all offseason. So instead of saying, hey, we've got you know, three days of, of, of winter conditioning or three days of straight conditioning, uh, we, we broke it up into football school. Uh, and so we took uh, 45 minutes on two, two separate mornings to be able to work uh, football fundamentals and techniques uh, with our team. Uh, and I think it started to really pay dividends uh, of guys having an understanding of what's expected at their position, uh, what you need to do at certain positions, whether the defensive line using your hands to striking, offensive line, feet, uh, quarterback with read, uh, wide receivers working at top, top of the routes and depth and uh, getting in and out of your breaks. So we spent a lot of time uh, working our football. So we was able to get ahead of the game football-wise. Um, where spring, we were just we were just trying to make sure we can keep uh, fine-tuning the things that we did all, all offseason. So those three backs, I think we got some exciting wide receivers. Uh, I think we had some guys that really could have played last year that we decided not to play. Fabian McCray, Muhammad Toure, uh, Messiah Travis, our three guys, three W3 redshirt freshmen that, you know, we utilized the four games last year with them, um, but they made tremendous uh, strides and jump in the offseason where we feel like we can have a passing game um, that can be precise, uh, where guys can make plays, we can turn uh, short catches into long games, uh, and I think with the running back situation, I think we can really improve the balance of our football team where we can be able to run it and throw it equally effectively. On defense, a couple guys I give you as uh, two young defensive linemen, uh, Demond Taylor and James Esther. Uh, we actually played DeMond uh, in the four games of the non-conference uh, season, and we really had a tough decision to make. I mean, he was really dynamic. He was really explosive. Uh, and, and by the end of the year, he was the type of player that we saw him becoming. Um, but as a staff, we thought it was important that we continue. Uh, it's better to have him for four years as opposed to three left. So DeMond and James Esther is a young man out of Detroit. He was actually one of our first signings as a staff um, that we signed, but he was a guy that was a defensive end in high school, and now he's up to 280 pounds. Um, and he's going to be a physical uh, presence on our digital line for years to come. So those are two guys um, that we're excited about, um, that we've had a chance to see. I think Jordan Cole is a, is a young man that's, that's going to take a big step uh, defensively. Uh, he can he can create the type of havoc plays that you look for uh, from an outstanding digital uh, player. I mean, the linebacker is about 6'2", uh, 220, run about 4'6". Made some plays for us down the stretch, but uh, a guy that we're looking for to make a big jump uh, for our defense. Um, in the back end, I'll give you a couple names. I think, um, you know, Josh Earl is, is a kid that has really bought into, you know, being a, a really good player on this program uh, at the safety position. TJ Brown was an incoming kid that came uh, in January, uh, very intelligent, uh, probably was going to get a 4.0 uh, GPA this semester, um, you know, very instinctive, uh, very natural uh, playmaker, great ball skills. Um, he's a guy that we really feel excited about uh, being able to make a, a, a big contribution for our defense early in his career. And then the corners, I mean, it's, we just excited to get some guys back from, from injury. we got J.D. Harris, Antoine Walker, um, and also Mark Aiken are three guys that, you know, played some football for us that got injured last season um, that we think, you know, being healthy, uh, another year in the program, uh, 
a better understanding of what we're trying to do defensively is going to be, be some guys that we can uh, really rely on this this season. And like you said earlier in the podcast, you know, the, the playing field is even. And, and, you know, with you having this second year and that continuity, I actually saw that, I mean, I don't really, we don't pay too much attention to the critics or what people think in predictions, but they've been doing kind of like crystal ball predictions and the Vegas predictions and all that garb. And they had us, I believe, at five or six wins, and I took one last, the one look and last. I go, they have no idea what NIU has cooking up for this season. Um, we have a lot of great athletes, and, and we've talked about it on this podcast. One thing that Ross said when he was on the show, uh, when he came for his recruiting trip, he was just surprised that the athletes were here. You guys talk about being able to bring in not only good players, but the athletes that we're able to recruit here at NIU are showing dividends in the win total uh, in the NFL. you got guys like Kenny Galladay making huge plays out there in the NFL. And hopefully some of our Huskies hear their name called, whether it's in the draft or the UDFA route uh, this upcoming season. Um, but, you know, with you being a player and a coach as well as a student athlete at NIU, what are your top three memories here as a member of the Husky family? Um, Good question. I think, you know, my one of my memories were uh, graduation, uh, being the first person to graduate uh, in my family, uh, how excited uh, my family was, how proud they were um, for me to get my degree. I think, you know, that's something that's a memory that's going to always be uh, etched in my memory. Probably my, uh, probably my last game, the Wake Forest game. Not knowing that it was my last game, um, to go out there and, and have 38 carries and, and uh, you know, help 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 our team get a boneyard victory uh, and to win it the way that we won it, you know, scoring a touchdown late and then winning in overtime uh, is certainly a memory that, you know, would last a, a long time for me. And then um, as a coach, I just remember, uh, you know, going to Ohio State, Garrett Wolf's senior season and him putting on a show as far as, you know, having 171 yards rushing and, and, and over 100 yards receiving and, and, you know, 285 all-purpose yards uh, and, and how that crowd uh, respected him uh, and his contribution is, is something that always sticks in my mind because you, you start thinking about uh, all the guys that were overlooked um, that was said, you know, was said to be not big enough. Uh, not fast enough, not strong enough. Uh, all the guys that has, has come to our program uh, and did things the right way, the hard way, uh, and turned themselves into great players, um, that's the type of model we want to continue to have moving forward. You talk about being the underdog in, in, in the hard way. You, from my understanding, were you here at the beginning of the hard way? Coach Novak was the one who began all of that, correct? You know, it happened a few years before I got here, but, you know, obviously, and what we talk about is, you know, upperclassmen showing, you know, the underclassmen the way things need to be. And so I think when it started maybe in like 96, I got here in 99. And by then, there were uh, multiple classes that that, that been through uh, the program uh, that understood what it took to try to get over the hump and, and become a winning program. And, and they kind of showed us. Uh, and, and that carried on. And my senior year, we wound up going 8-4. Uh, and four. Uh, I believe we went 5-6 and we went five and six my freshman year, 6-5, and 6-5. And, and then my senior year, we went 8-4. And then the next year, they went 10-2, and two, uh, and they beat Alabama, Iowa State, and Maryland. And I think the, the foundation of that team was built um, because we learned from, from the seniors and we learned from the juniors. And then we, we became seniors. Uh, we showed the younger guys what it takes to, to, to be an established program and to win big-time games. And, and I think that's important. And that's what we are getting back to uh, with our seniors now, is showing uh, the young guys exactly the commitment, uh, the discipline, the accountability, the competitiveness it takes 
think, uh, to be an upper echelon uh, MAC program. And, and you talk about those big games. Um, you know, going back, the most recent one that pops to mind would be the Orange Bowl with Florida State. That's, you know, that that's plastered still all over town in different restaurants and stuff. And that's something that, you know, the, the people that were a part of that team should be proud of. Because if you look at it, a group of five schools in the history of whether it's the BCS or the college football playoffs now, New Year's Six, there's not a lot of teams that get that opportunity. I believe Memphis was the team this year. They played a pretty hard game against Penn State. But when you get there, that game is huge, not only for your program that year, but say you go out and you go and win that game. Imagine how big that is, you know, for recruiting down the stretch and just being able to to not only provide a program for players to play a a quality college career at, but, you know, if you have a team that's well enough to compete in those type of games, you're probably going to be putting a lot of people in the NFL. Um, as far as being the coach here at NIU, what's your favorite part about it? Well, I think the favorite part is, you know, I, I get to interact with the whole team. Um, you know, sometimes when you're a position coach, you only interact with your, you know, six to eight guys, and, and that's what the people that you really spend the most time with talking to. I think as a head coach, I'm around every position. You know, I'm around all the coaches. I think, you know, that interaction is why you do it. Uh, you want to affect uh, people's lives in a positive way. You want to make them better people uh, than they were before, and I think when you can invest in a person, then the player is going to is going to pay dividends. Uh, and so, you know, I talk to the kickers, I talk to the punter, I talk to the snapper, I talk to everybody that's involved in our team, uh, and try to have relationships with all those players, with the understanding that uh, if you understand that I I enjoy you as a person, uh, we can push you to become the best player you can possibly be um, because of the relationships that's been established. You even you even talk to the podcasters who are joining us here during this love quarantine time that we're in we appreciate you for that what are uh, what are some things that you're doing during this downtime when you have that you know hour or two window during the day um, during your leisure time what are you doing for hobbies during this quarantine well I think you know first and foremost I'm, I'm spending time with my family um, you know I, I take my kids on a bike ride every day uh, go outside and make sure that they're getting the type of activity that they need that they can be productive uh, reading books I think um, you know just constantly trying to involve and improve as a person, as a coach, all those things. Been talking with a lot of different coaches and staff. Uh, you know, uh, the great thing about us is we've been able to have a bunch of clinics um, with different coaches and different staffs uh, because guys, you know, have time. Um, so we, we've been on Zoom calls and uh, going through, you know, offense, defense, special teams, uh, as in using this time as a, as a professional development um, to make sure that we are able to hit the ground running whenever uh, this thing opens back up. So it's been uh, we, we tried to maximize um, the time that we've been able to have and not just say, hey, this is just hey, something that we don't know what, what's going on. We, we tried to find creative ways to improve uh, as people, uh, to improve as a staff, uh, to improve as a football team. Uh, and, and it's been all-encompassing for us. So being back out in DeKalb, we uh, we just ran our best DeKalb restaurant bracket on our Huskies on Tap Twitter. What is your best uh, food spot in DeKalb? Or your favorite food spot in DeKalb, I should say. Um, you know, obviously, Saturdays is the staple. Uh, Elwood is, is, is obviously a really good place if you want to have a, a sit down. Absolutely, I love their steak. Yeah, there's a little uh, Mexican restaurant that's off the beaten path in Sycamore called Nina's Taco. It's, it's surprisingly a, a very good place to eat uh, if you're looking for uh, Mexican food. Uh, We're going to have to add them to the bracket for next year. we got to give Fatty some competition. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I, I think some of the other smaller restaurants may have felt victim to not having like a Twitter page or something like that, but we're huge Tom and Jerry's guys over here. We thought we could nice. possibly have a closer vote, but 
yeah, Fatty blew him out of the water. It was it was not even close. I think it was like eighty six to fourteen. Tommy Joe's is a quality restaurant. It's just for me, you know, some of the restaurants that I ate as a as a college student, I, I probably tended to stay away from. You know, <laughs> yeah, not the best diet. Right? <laughs> yeah. We we do not we we eat what we can because it's all we can afford, right? And, you know, once you're able, well, to I'm get sure. Hey, I trust me. Burrito <laughs> loco, uh, all them trust me. I, I've had experience at all of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, and I do have to ask you, because we've talked about it with a bunch of the players. Your basement is probably the best man cave I've ever seen. Like, all the jerseys, all that stuff. How many jerseys do you exactly have on your wall in your man cave? I don't, I don't, I don't have an exact count, but I will say this. Every jersey that I have has been uh, from a guy that I've, I've coached. Uh, so that gives you an idea of how many guys I've coached in, in, in the National Football League. I think I've always just said, hey, listen, I don't want anything to send me a jersey, um, you know, when you have an opportunity to play at that level. And I think, you know, at the time when I was young, when I started my collection, I think my wife was a little bit upset. She was like, why are you spending money uh, putting these things in jersey? We don't, we don't really have any place to, to hang them up. Uh, but when you see the finished product and, and, and what you see is, you know, 18 years of, of coaching and, and, and working with young men, uh, she's very uh, excited about the basement, and I think it's good for our players. Uh, and what I tell them is, hey, when, when your time comes, I'm going to put you up on my wall as well. And I think it's a good motivation, uh, a good tool to say, you know, these are some of the guys that I had an opportunity to coach. Uh, maybe they went through some of the same things you're going through uh, as, as a player, uh, some of your struggles, some of your questions. Um, but if you stick to it and you stick with it, uh, great things can happen. It's all well and good until you start getting a bunch of guys in the league and they all start sending you jerseys and you have no more room for them, right? Yeah, you know what I'll do? I'll start putting them on the floor uh, along the baseboards and, and so people still can see them. I think that's a great problem. That's the type of problem that I don't have anywhere to put them. That would be an interesting floor setup, though, like a little glass like encasing is your mouth. Now your basement floor and it's just jerseys everywhere. Yeah, I figured as my kids get older, uh, I have a less, uh, less tendency for them to break it so they, they would understand, but I think that that's what we're striving for. You know, we want players, uh, we want to recruit guys, we want to coach guys um, that, want to, that, that, that makes it to the highest level. Uh, and that means you have great players in your program, uh, and that means you have a great team, uh, and that's what we want. We, that's what we want to uh, build uh, and establish and, and kind of uh, set roots for the long term, and uh, we want to have an opportunity to develop those type of young men uh, that have those type of aspirations uh, and follow through with them aspirations. Yeah, and I think it's paying its dividends. I got to ask you, we asked most of the per- current players that we you know get on the podcast about their Madden skills, but who, in your opinion, is the best Madden player on the team? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I, I haven't played a video game in, in probably 20 years. I know when, when I, I had the guys at my house, uh, they talked about Rondarius Gregory being really good, uh, Keywan Parker um, being really good, and, and they set the game up. Uh, and what you realize is everything that you're trying to teach them, uh, you know, during the season, you know, about football, they throw out the window. Yeah, just, just, you know, just run it with Lamar. You got to <laughs> I mean, you got a team, they, they, they up seven with, with a minute to go, and they still throwing the football down the field instead of running the front end. So, so all, the, all the game management things that you spend so much time going over, I looked at them, they threw, they had to throw like two or three interceptions in the last two minutes of the game when, when the team was winning. I said, where's the run the ball? 
run the clock, call timeout, you know, similar to how we played uh, Toledo, you know, take advantage, kick the field goal, and, and win the football game, you know? I love I love hearing that. Yeah, that's that's the thing, too. It's like Madden and video games. It's like, you know, that's not real football. But I had to ask because everyone gets real competitive. And, and a guy like you said, Rondarius Gregory, that's a guy that we saw get his walk-on status moved to scholarship. I want to ask you because we've seen this with a couple other guys. Uh, Nick Radden pops my mind right off the top. But what's it like for you? Because um, we do get a lot of walk-on players. What's it like for you, you know, presenting that opportunity and then, you know, seeing them take advantage of that? How is that opportunity? How does that feel as a coach seeing that player, in, you know, embody the hard way and get that scholarship in? Well, those, those two guys are, are special to me uh, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, when I took the job over, I, I think I got hired on January 18th. It's not, it's, it's not much time between when I got hired and, and when signing day was. So we signed three guys. Um, but what I talk to our staff is let's let's try to find some guys um, that can compete in our program and have a chance to earn a scholarship. And so Nick Routine and, and Rondarius uh, Gregory were two guys. Uh, Nick was from from high school. Um, his uh, his high school coach is my fullback, and he said, "Listen, I promise you, this kid can play. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's gonna earn a scholarship, but I know he can play for NIU. He's got he's got the right makeup. He's got the right toughness. Uh, and so we jumped on him late and said, just give us an opportunity uh, to coach." Well, give us an opportunity because he has some, you know, smaller division uh, level uh, type scholarship offers that he was deciding between. I said, you know, I know it's never a great thing to walk onto a program, but I promise you, if you earn it, I will give it to you. And so Nick came in our program as a freshman and worked extremely hard. Rondarius did the same thing. And I remember in training camp talking to our, our team. I said, I called out two guys. I said, I want Nick Routine and Rondarius Gregory to stand up. And I asked our team, what makes these guys so different? Uh, and there was a variety of answers, hard work, toughness, uh, physicalness, all the things when you look to describe a football player, those guys are show or display in a short amount of time. And so we go through the season, and, and, and uh, Nick Routine wound up getting put into a role where he had to play more than probably we wanted or anticipated, but he excelled. Uh, and so when you when we looked at it, we said, he's done everything possible to help us win. Why not reward him? Uh, and then you look at Ron Darius, and we go through the season. You know, we have our ups and downs, and he was a guy that continued to work extremely hard on the scout team uh, uh, and get our defense ready to play. And we was like, this guy can play. You know, let's give him a shot. And so we kept, you know, trying to get him prepared and get him ready. And then the last game of the season, we played Western Michigan. is in the fourth quarter of a tight game. And who goes out there and makes the winning plays for us? Rondarius Gregory, you know, breaking a 33-yard run, uh, making some critical first downs late in that, in that football game. Uh, that gave us a chance to win that game. And I think he gave us a glimpse of what he can become in the future. And so for me, just like I talked to him, when I talked to him on the phone and said, have confidence, have faith in us that we're going to take care of our walk-on, uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, they were rewarded uh, the right way uh, in, 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 in due time. So uh, it, it, it was exciting, um, you know, for their families, uh, for the young men that, that made sacrifices to be here uh, and to understand that their sacrifices have paid off in a big way uh, is something that always gives me joy. Yeah, and it's great to see, you know, we are, in addition to being huge NIU fans, we're also Notre Dame fans, so I identify with those Rudy-type players, the players that are walk-ons, not necessarily saying that Nick or Ron Darius are anywhere near Rudy because they are way better than a football player than he was, but in that situation, it, it, I always level with that underdog, and when you see a guy that, you know, maybe could have 
classes with us in the future or just someone that, you know, we could potentially do interviews with in the future or just cover. It's good to see these guys succeed. And, you know, it's a tough grind when you're not a scholarship athlete. A lot of people don't understand that outside of the sport. But to have to pay for your education, people that go to college, it is a hefty price. And NIU is not as expensive as other schools. But when you're an athlete and you're going out there and putting on for the team, especially in the ways that they did on Saturday, um, to earn that scholarship is a major key. And, you know, those are guys that that scholarship's not going to stop that work ethic. You're going to get, you know, the same mentality that you get whether they're on scholarship or not. So I think those are two great guys to have in the program looking forward. You talk about that Western Michigan game. I want to ask you, take us through your mindset in calling the Husky special what what I dubbed it the Husky special I'll call it. That's a Michael Love touchdown to Mitchell Brinkman to put essentially the game away. It was a little bit after that. I think Bellamy broke off a late run to bring him back within three. But that play was initially saved for a two-point conversion. It got called late in the game. What was going through your mind when you made that play call? Well, I think, you know, Coach Eisner's and the officer staff uh, do a great job. You know, we have a library of plays like that that you try to find the right situation for. Uh, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, um, which it's the risk reward, and, and we felt like uh, the conditions, um, um, the elements, uh, who was playing at the time. You know, Michael Love has, has a nice arm, kind of a guy. He fumbled early in the game, so people probably was thinking, okay, they, they wouldn't go back to him. Uh, so, we, you know, we practiced it for about a month before we used it. Uh, and feel extremely confident with the, uh, the decision-making um, that went into it. If the guy was covered, we knew we had the opportunity uh, to have a one-pass option. And so, you know, we, we found the right situation. Uh, you know, during the headset, I said, you know, uh, we wasn't scoring a whole bunch that game. I said, this is our opportunity to put seven on the board. So I said, Eric, use your best play to score. And, and if that meant using a two-point play, so be it. But use the best call that we have uh, to score in this situation. Our defense was playing extremely strong. Uh, extremely with a, with a lot of energy and emotion, uh, and so when we scored that touchdown, it was about finding those right opportunities to just kind of finish off the game. Yeah, and it was absolute electricity. I was actually standing down in the end zone when the, the pass was caught. That was a beautiful play call. And that's something, too, that I love to hear. You're not micromanaging over your OC, like, yo, I want the play call. I need the play call. It's my job. I'm making it. You left it in his hands, and it paid off. So I like to see that out of our head coach. Um, not micromanaging and, and, you know, giving his coaches the opportunities that they were brought here to see. So that's great to see. If uh, our Bears can get Matt Nagy to do that this year, we'll probably see a little bit more success, right, Ethan? Uh, you hope so. Yeah. You guys forget about his first year. What was he, 12 and 4? Yeah. No, I, 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 I like Nagy. You guys got a short memory. Coach, I try to stay on the positive side of things. I'm the big Mitch guy on our Bears podcast, and I still get crap for that. So if that goes to show you anything, I'll try to stay the most positive. Yeah, I, I like Nagy, but my thing with him last year is he uh, – he had a lot of fall guys, but we, we won't get too heavy into the Bears. We'll keep it over here with the Huskies. With that being said, you know, that Western Michigan game, that was tough. One of the things that we saw an issue and kind of a dip in this year was attendance. With you being, you know, an NIU alum, someone that was here, you know, when the stands were a little bit more full, what are some things that either us as students or people that cover the team or people that are involved in Husky families can, that can do to get more people in the stands? Well, I, I just think, you know, we have to be able to start a, a grassroots camp.
campaign where, you know, if you attend a game, bring a friend uh, and, and build the, the energy uh, back uh, into the stadium because, number one, is this is a great universe, uh, and I would love to see the attendance of our university continue to in- increase, and I think that's, that's going to start. Um, then uh, the game atmosphere, we have to, as a staff, as a, as a football program, we have to make sure we have players um, that people want to come see. We have uh, Jordan Lynch. We have Garrett Wolf. We have Chandler Harney. We, we have to bring uh, the type of student athletes that people want to make sure, hey, listen, I better get to that game so I can go see Mike Turner break an 80-yard run. Uh, and so that's what we've been working on. We want to become an exciting, uh, explosive uh, team, offense and defense, uh, and we want our fans to be behind us 100% of the way. Um, but the more that we can work together and, and, you know, continue to bring people with us uh, and don't and don't take one for granted. I mean, it's hard to win. It's extremely difficult to win. Do not take it for granted uh, and understand, hey, this is the process. Support the, the student athletes that put so much hard work uh, and effort into being the best that they can be. Uh, and I think that, you know, people will be proud of the university. So, yeah, Coach, you bring it up. You know, you bring it up as a great university. We've been here. This will be uh, my second and a half year, I guess you would say, in Ethan's first year. And we got no complaints on the home front as students. We enjoy the game day atmosphere, um, whether it's the tailgate, um, the game itself, the way that you guys have the presentation, and the way that you guys play. I mean, no matter what the scoreboard is, that team doesn't quit. Um, there was a couple games this year, like the one uh, down the stretch, like the Toledo game and the Western Michigan game that you know, if that was your first game going to as an NIU football fan, it only makes sense to come back for more because those are, you know, those were tough, hard-fought one game down the stretch. Uh, but looking forward at the schedule, and this season, they scheduled heavy again. You know, you got opponents such as Iowa and Maryland um, in the non-conference, and it's going to be, and you know, you got BYU. BYU does play very competitive, especially too, in those big games. So it's going to be an interesting season to see what we have in store here for the Huskies. Uh, but I got to ask you, as a coach that's coached both at the college level at the uh, NFL level what's your favorite part just about being a coach in general well I just think you know um, the relationships that you build um, with the players I think those are, are long standing and, and they stand the test of time uh, I'll give you an interesting story so um, we had a recruiting uh, day uh, maybe last year and, and one of uh, one of one of the uh, kids that I, I, I recruited to, to Minnesota has a younger brother that's um, uh, in high school uh, now and so he brought his brother up and uh, he said um, he said do you know uh, Little Ham is coaching and so you know I, I was like Little Ham what, what are you talking about and so you're talking, this is 10 years ago uh, that, that I was around uh, this young man. And he, he remembered uh, there's a young man by the name of Darnell Kirkwood that I coached and, and I recruited out of South Florida um, that I brought up to Minnesota. And I, I was coaching him and, and, and helping him become, you know, everything that I wanted him to become. And so along the way, he got a, a nickname of, of being called Little Ham. They said he was like my, my brother or my son or, or something like that. So he's coaching in college now uh, and, and, and coaching hard. And he said, you know, I guess it was the best. He said he coaches just like you coached him. And I, I think to me, those are the things that make you uh, enjoy the coaching profession, how you are able to change people's lives uh, for the better, uh, for the positive, uh, that people want to emulate uh, how you are uh, as a person, how you are as a man, how you are as a football coach. Uh, that's what I enjoy about the game of football. And those are the things that I've learned. Uh, it was a lot of times I was uh, upset or uh, disgruntled or unhappy with the way I was coaching. But, you know, 
some of my best friends in this profession are coaches that coach me. Uh, Matt Canada is a great friend of mine who was my position coach my first years, who I did not stand, who, who I could not stand early in my career. But then as I graduated, you appreciate all the things that he did and all the um, teaching moments that he was able to implement in my life that allowed me to become a, a husband, that allowed me to become a father, that allowed me to become a, a good assistant coach, and that allowed me the opportunity to become a head coach uh, of a program that that I was a part of. Yeah, and actually the first uh, NIU head coach to do so since we had made the jump over to FBS, so I definitely, I think I may have touched on that earlier in the podcast, so hats off to you because, you know, that's on the lead company that you're joining. I'm not sure exactly what other schools have that set in place, but not a lot of times do you see someone that played at that school, I think Harbaugh may be one of them right now over there at Michigan, get the opportunity to go coach. And the great things around the horizon, I mean, we're year ones in the past, the way you recruited for 2020 and 2021, um, you know, I can only imagine things are going to be great here the next few years. One thing I wanted to ask you and we wanted to touch base on, the situation that happened um, last week, what uh, exactly, if you could break it down for the listeners, the, the Twitter fiasco with uh, a one Patrick Flowers, what exactly uh, happened with that? I, I, I don't know exactly exactly how you even got in touch with No, I, I just think, you know, uh, the types of young men that come in our program, I make it a point of emphasis to know uh, to know them. Uh, and so when I saw uh, a name come across, um, I had no idea that people uh, play video games and created profiles and all these different things. You know, I just said, uh, I just wanted to explain to them uh, our process of recruiting. Um, you know, we it goes through the area coach, the position coach, the coordinator, and then I'm, you know, I have final approval. Uh, that's our process. So I'm the only person that offers scholarships. Uh, I'm the only person that, that can extend an offer to NIU, and I think that's important uh, for players. I think that's important for families uh, to understand that everybody that we offer is a committable offer, um, meaning that un- unless that spot is taken by someone else, you have the opportunity to commit as soon as I offer you the scholarship. So I, I believe that we are extremely thorough with our process. Uh, we believe in our evaluations. Uh, we trust our own eyes. Uh, we don't need recruiting services to tell us who are good players because we've done our research. Uh, we've done our homework. Uh, we, we've talked to the young men. Uh, we've talked to their family. We identify that these guys are a great fit for us. And so when I saw the message that NIU had offered, uh, my thought initially went to the quarterback that's committed to us. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we have a we have a, a, a young man committed to us uh, that, you know, I, I've spoken to him and his family about how important he is for us um, and, and, and how important he is uh, for that position of the future. And so when I saw, um, I thought was a, a kid that potentially put it out there that we offered, that's when I, I reached out to say, hey, listen, I'm the only one that offered for scholarship, um, so I think that's important uh, for the recruiting process, and, and I did not offer you. And so, to me, I don't look at it as a as a, as a fiasco. I look at it as I'm informed. Uh, you know, there's there's probably some coaches out there that you know they've offered 400 kids in a class. He don't know who has an offer and who doesn't have an offer. Uh, but but us, I know everybody that's been offered because I I I've offered them myself. And so um, what I explained is, you know, we are an informed staff. We have an informed process of the way we do things and if something uh, jumps out of line we, we can identify that very very quickly to understand this is not true this is not legitimate so I understood that wasn't a legitimate offer now so to me I look at it as you know what our process works um, because every guy on our staff uh, every every person affiliated with our program understood that was not a real offer I guess my flaw was I didn't realize it was a fake account so to that 
you know, I made a mistake. Um, and I don't even consider it a mistake. I just consider it, hey, I was being honest uh, about our process and how we do things when it comes to offering young men in our program. Yeah, and I think the way you handled it and the, the tweet that followed it after uh, was great because it was one of those situations where in the athletic world where it's just like, I don't know if you want to call it chaos, but it was the most random thing in the world. Ethan and I, we actually ran like a simulated season for Huskies on tap with updated rosters and all that stuff and did live streams. But even as, you know, being a 25 and a 22-year-old, we had no idea that people made accounts like that. And the seriousness of it, I was like, I cannot believe of all the schools in the, you know, NCAA that they end up, you know, poking fun at you. And I, I really think that you handled it the right way. And the way that you recruit, too. I mean, you speak of schools, you know, they offer 400 guys that can't even give you the first name. We make sure here at NIU, and you especially, make sure that you're building those relationships not only for now in the four years that you have them or maybe five but when they leave you know you talk about getting guys to the nfl and keeping those relationships you know near and dear to you and even in the coaching world it, it's one of those things where seeing what football has done for your life only has to inspire you know you not only your players but other people that want to be coaches so i think you know having you here is definitely a joy um one thing that i do want to ask you to here before we wrap up when things get back to normal and there is no more pandemic are is there any um charitable organization or causes that you're working with? Yeah, you know, there, there's a couple. Um, you know, I, I think anything that uh, has to do with uh, young people and, uh, and and allowing them to have a better education. Um, I, I work with a domestic uh, abuse family uh, last year. I think, you know, those type of things uh, really touch me uh, in a way that, that's important. So, you know, we do a lot of different things, um, you know, as a family. Uh, certainly not trying to get credit or acknowledgement for it, but, um, you know, in, in a, a lot of things that do with uh, young people and helping them uh, achieve their goals is, is something that's always important to me. And the effect that you have on people's lives is seen daily. Um, I want to ask you, too, as as a guy who played football at the collegiate level, and you, I know you have a son, can we expect you to have your son play football, or are you against your kids playing football? No, I, I'm I, I'm for my kids um, competing. I think there's a lot of le- life lessons that you learn uh, competing in sports, uh, how to push yourself mentally, uh, physically. I think that that helps you long term, uh, and, and I'm for it. And I'm not going to push him to football, but I'm I'm going to make sure um, that he's competing at something. Um, and I think that's going to help him become a more well-rounded person. Uh, the friendships, uh, the relationships um, that you're able to build uh, in athletics are something that that's long-standing, and I, I've seen it with him. I've seen it with my daughter. Uh, she plays lacrosse. Um, but those type of uh, outside experiences, outside of uh, academics, I think are important for um, for kids' development, and I think it's only going to help them long-term with, with whatever they decide to do. Yeah, absolutely. I just figured I'd ask because of, you know, you talked about it earlier in the podcast, how there was real no stigma around, like, concussions and player safety and stuff like that, and now it's, it's all over the news and people don't want their kids to play football, but I just thought it was an interesting ask for you. Uh, one one of the final wrap-up questions that I just want to ask is a member of Husky Nation, but do you have any wrap-up thoughts or, or uh, I guess you would say a message for Husky Nation? Yeah, I, I think, you know, first and foremost um, during this time to, to stay safe, uh, to stay healthy, um, to make sure we follow the guidelines of, of social distancing. I think that's important uh, if we want any chance of returning to normalcy quickly. Um, and I think, you know, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, how would a world without sports look? 
Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, athletics have, have provided so many opportunities uh, for young people uh, to get degrees, uh, to become successful, um, that I think is something that we need to cherish. Uh, it's something that we need to make sure that we continue to do everything possible to, to try to keep those same opportunities. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you what I would be doing if I if I didn't have the opportunity to go to college to play football. Uh, and so, you know, I think about that uh, with a lot of people out there now, um, and I think that's important. And I think, you know, for me, what the NCAA did allowing uh, with the ACT, SAT last week about people not having the opportunity um, to take the test, that they have a certain GPA, they, they, they're going to get a waiver. I think that's, that's phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of first-generation people that, that want to get be the first to get a degree uh, in athletics. Uh, whatever sport that you play, uh, uh, men and females, uh, athletics have, have provided those type of opportunities. So I think for us as a society, um, you know, keep, keep following uh, the guidelines that's in place. Um, keep building connections with people. Uh, now that things have, have slowed down, we have an opportunity to continue to talk, uh, build strong uh, relationships um, that's going to last the test of time. Uh, because if you can get through these things uh, as people together, uh, imagine when things go back to normal. Yeah, and that was perfectly put. Do you? Yeah, I, I know absolutely. I don't. Want, I don't want to get inside information or get you in trouble. But is there even like a timetable or anything like this as far as the season or or what was there like a, a plan in place just in case things aren't ready to go back in normal in time to normal? You know, I, I, I don't have a, an exact time frame. Uh, but what we've tried to do is build uh, models of different. Um, target date. Uh, so, you know, we've tried to say, okay, if the, if the target date is June 1st, this is what we need to do these four weeks, this is what we need to do this, these four weeks. If the target date is June 15th, this is what we need to do for these four weeks, this is what we need to do before camp. So we've tried to put models in place of, the big thing is, how do you recondition the team, right? Uh, there's a certain level of deconditioning that's happening now just from being away uh, and out of a, uh, a routine. And the health and safety of all of our players are the most important thing. So we, we got to get them to a stage where they can crawl um, before they walk. And so we have to go through a crawling uh, stage of, of getting them back in the weight room, getting them back conditioning uh, to get them themselves physically uh, and mentally uh, prepared to handle the grind of, of playing football. So uh, you know, for us, we haven't heard a date, but we have plans in place. Uh, we have an eight-week plan. We have a six-week plan. Uh, worst case scenario, we have a four-week plan of, of things that we need to you know make sure we can get done uh, in order to get our team as prepared as possible to play to play the game of football. It seems tough. I mean, obviously with what's been going on, you don't really know. Um, you just kind of hope that things do get back to normalcy and, and hope that it really doesn't get too affected. Um, is there anything that you're scared of, or not, I shouldn't say scared, but worried about the changes of the game going forward? Anything like that that's been talked about? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just concerned about athletics in, in general. You know, uh, hopefully we can find a, um, a vaccine that can that can minimize uh, this virus and, and minimize uh, the spread of this virus um, because it's like our team, right? We got we got uh, guys on our team that has family members that that's died from this uh, virus. They have family members that's affected with this virus, uh, and so for us, you know, football is is is, is kind of in its place. We understand football is something that we're a part of, but there are, are greater things that happen in uh, in our country. There are greater things happening in society that we want to make sure those things are in order um, before we talk about you know playing a game of football. Yeah, I think that was well put and thoughts and prayers to the players affected and the family members affected by this terrible disease and it's an unfortunate situation looking forward, um, thinking about, you know, things like attendance and people being close to each other and stuff like that. It's one of
one of those situations that we talk about. It's, it's unprecedented. Really, no one knows what tomorrow holds. But one thing that Ethan and I are both confident in is your preparation and your ability to have this team ready for the 2020 season. Uh, Ethan, do you have any wrap-up thoughts for Coach Hammock here today? Uh, other than just thank you, Coach. I mean, we, we've been on here for about an hour and a half now, and, and it's been solid football talk and, and really just getting to know you better as a, as a person. We know you as Coach Hammock, but, um, you know, I know we see you around sometimes. I came up, saw you at the convo, shook your hand. So hopefully, uh, you know, we see more of you once everything gets back to normal. But huge thank you from both of us for coming on and spending so much time with us. Not a problem. I appreciate you guys' time as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to thank you, too, not only on my on my behalf, but on behalf of the ONTAP Sportsnet for taking time with us here today just to, you know, get with us, talk NIU football, talk football, talk life in general. It was a great conversation, and I do appreciate you taking, you know, like Ethan said, an hour, an hour and a half out of your busy day um, to give Husky Nation a little bit of an inside look on who Coach Hammock is. Um, but with that being said, Coach, do you have any wrap-up thoughts for the followers and listeners? No, I just uh, just excited about, you know, the future of our, of our program and uh, all the hard work that our, that my coaches and, and, and the players are putting in. And uh, I think you guys would be excited about the product that we put on the field. I'd love to hear that. This was Huskies on Tap presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. Like we stated previously in the episode, this is NFL Draft Week, so be on the lookout for your favorite Huskies looking to hear their name called in this week's NFL Draft. I got nothing else for our followers or listeners. This was a wonderful episode here of Huskies on Tap. Be on the lookout in the future for episodes like this, and go Huskies. Go Huskies.